The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, and welcome to Tech Trader on Barron's Live. I'm Barron's Associate Editor, Eric Savitz. I am excited to have with me today my friend Dan Niles, the um, founder and manager of the Satori Fund, a, a hedge fund uh, uh, that uh, keeps close tabs on the technology space. Uh, Dan has been uh, running money before that uh, on the uh, on the sell side on the street for a very long time. We've known each other for a long time, and uh, it's my pleasure to have you with us today, Dan. Thank you for being here. My pleasure, Eric. Dan, so this has been um, uh, a fascinating and uh, earning season already, and uh, we're just getting started. Uh, and, and you know you've had um, you've been skeptical about the market coming into this year, which was the right call for sure. Uh, and so maybe if you, let's start off by taking a look at your sort of broader thinking currently about where we are in the market. We've had a big decline. We're, we seem to be getting a kind of nice rebound at the start of earnings season here, um, but we still have a lot of difficult uh, macro issues to. Uh, to navigate. It seems like a complicated landscape. It helped sort us out. Sure. I think it's an excellent question, Eric, because I, I think what you need to do is really step back because as you pointed out, there's a lot of, you know, let's call it noise. And so we came into this year thinking inflation would be higher than expected. The Fed would be more aggressive than expected. Mm-hmm. And therefore we'd have a 20% decline, at least peak to trough. In May, we changed that to down 30 to 50. Now, The big two things to focus on, I think, here from a big picture point of view is you don't want to fight the Fed. And people usually use that in a positive way, right? Right. When things go bad, the Fed comes in, they cut rates, they've been doing QE, and it just drives the market up. And you even saw that during the global pandemic, right? You had over a three-year span of time, the S&P doubled, including dividends. And in two of those three years, you had a global pandemic. So I didn't want to fight the Fed. Um, The second piece is you don't want to fight the fundamentals in that if numbers are going higher, which they have been for the past two years, Mm -hmm. then that helps drive stock prices. But what investors don't want to focus on is it works in reverse as well. So the Fed started raising rates earlier this year. It took the top end of that range from a quarter to two and a half percent. They've said that's going to go to three and a quarter to three and a half percent before the end of this year and mm-hmm. 4% by the end of next year. Mm-hmm. You don't want to fight the Fed. Um, and the second part of that is this earnings season is the first one in two years where the forward estimates for the S&P 500 went down, right. not up. So you don't want to fight the fundamentals. And the final piece is valuations are still high by historical standards. And so that doesn't give you a good entry point but you are going to get these bear market rallies within all of this downward movement. And that's pretty typical. So, you know, the stat I like to put out is during the global financial crisis and the tech bubble, you, the S&P went down roughly 50% both times. 
And within those two periods, you had five rallies in the S&P that were between 19 to 21% on your way to losing half your money. <laughs> so you got sucked in and just got destroyed as things just continued to get worse. And by the way, that was during two periods of time when the Fed was pulling out all the stops to try to help you out. This time, they're pulling out all the stops to try to slow down inflation. Right. And at the same time, growth is slowing. Right. So that's where you kind of are big picture. And I think that's what people want to keep in mind. So so are you still um, are you still feeling like we have not seen the bottom that we've got, that this is a bear market rally that we're seeing at the moment that we've got lower lows? To Absolutely. Get- Absolutely. Because you got to remember what the Fed is doing today is going to affect you a year from now just like stimulus put into the system will affect you as you move forward. So they're at two and a quarter on the, sorry, two and a half on the Fed funds rate, but they're planning to push it to three and a quarter to three and a half. And don't forget inflation's still high. Now, is it gonna come down? Obviously, but is it going to come down back to that two to 3% range, which is where the Fed wants it anytime soon? Absolutely not. So they're gonna keep pushing on that And at the same time, as I said earlier, this is the first earnings season in two years where S&P earnings have been revised lower. So even if you look at the the companies that put up the best results, Amazon and Apple, right? They both beat the revenues. They both beat the EPS. If you look at the Ford EPS number for the September quarter, it came down in both cases. And so you're still at the beginning stages of all of this pullout of stimulus affecting earnings for these companies. And this is the very early stages of that. Um, You still haven't even had unemployment starting to go up yet, which Mm -hmm. is what the Fed's going to have to do to slow down inflation. And you haven't had nominal, and I'm not talking real GDP, because obviously, you know, we've had two negative quarters of real GDP, but nominal GDP starting to really slow down, which is what the Fed's going to have to do, because you've got twice as many job openings as you have people unemployed. So there's a lot of work to slow the economy down, which will slow down earnings. And this is the first earnings season in two years we've seen that. It's a process. And I think investors have sort of forgotten that normally recessions and bottoms in stock markets take, you know, a year and a half to two and a half years, if you want to look back at the tech bubble, for the market to find its floor. We've been in this for six months, seven months, right? That's nothing in terms of time. But you've been spoiled by 13 years of any time the market looked like it was slowing down, you know, think fourth quarter of 2018, the Fed comes in and stimulates like crazy, and the market goes back up again, or the global pandemic hits, and you throw in $10 trillion between the Fed and the US government over two years. And of course, the stock market goes up. But now you're gonna have to deal with the reverse. Right. So, so when you look at earnings season so far, um, you know, there have been a few kind of stinkers. I mean, Intel was obviously kind of a terrible quarter and raised a lot of questions. Meta did not have a good quarter. Uh, there have been some other uh, substantial misses. But a lot of the big names seem to be at least responding well to the results they reported. You mentioned Amazon and Apple. Uber reported good numbers just this morning. Um, you know, there have been, there've been uh, uh, we had uh, uh, Pinterest is up like 20% today because their numbers were a little better than expected. So there's been some 
like a, a little bit of relief rally in some of these names. Now, a lot of them are still down substantially, uh, quite substantially from, from the peaks. But I want there is this sort of sense that maybe maybe with the guidance for the September quarter um, that people are bringing numbers low enough that you sort of set the stage for better relative performance going forward. I'm not sure if I buy that necessarily, but that does seem to be the current sort of sentiment. And I wonder how you feel about that. That's how all these bear market rallies typically start. Um, and I've gone back and looked at close to, I think it's like 20 of them going back to the 1920s. And I lived through the tech bubble and yes. I lived through the global financial crisis and you did too. And this is how it always is where every quarter the companies cut numbers. And then some company during the course of earnings season goes up off of horrible news. So then everybody goes, well, it's the bottom because these <laughs> stocks are down so much. Right. And, you know, this one went up off of horrible numbers. And so clearly, like Shopify is the one I look at that kind of set the stage. If you remember, they put up horrific numbers. Right. The stock was down high single digits in the aftermarket. And then the next day it went from being down high single digits. It closed up, I think, 10, 11, 12 percent. Right. So that's like a, you know, 20 percent swing intraday. And that kind of set the stage for what you saw later where, yeah, Amazon's numbers go down, but hey, it could have been worse. You know, Apple's numbers may go down, but it could have been worse. Google, right. same thing, right? So, but you go back to the tech bubble, it's the exact same situation where every 90 days, the company's cut, people go, oh, it must be the bottom. Somebody reacts off of a rally off of horrible numbers, and then the yeah. chase is on. And then you go through another month or two and you get deeper into the quarter and you figure out, oh, the economy is still slowing down and the numbers have to go down even further. Right. And then the stocks turn around and they go to new lows. So the example would be this year, even, right? You've had four separate rallies in the S&P 500 of 9% on average. Mm. So we should be up 36% this year, right, Eric? <laughs> No, we're not. You we're leave not <laughs> so, but but that's my point. You, I mean, the, the one I, I use a lot is um, you go back to Paul Volcker and, you know, because it's, it's somewhat similar to what we're in right now. Mm -hmm. And when you had to really try to kill off inflation, the market went down about 27% over the, over the period of roughly 20 months. Mm -hmm. But you had six rallies in the S&P of 8%. You weren't up 48%. <laughs> you were down 27. Right. But you got sucked in every 90 days or so to thinking it was the bottom. Right. And, you know, that's true for the tech bubble. It's true for the global financial crisis. It's true for the Great Depression. Right. You know, you go back and you look at this and the Great Depression, you had multiple 20% plus rallies in the S&P. Right. Um, so, you know, this isn't anything new. I just sort of stick to the simple mantra of don't fight the Fed. Don't fight the fundamentals. And unlike most other downturns this time, don't fight the Fed means the Fed's raising as growth is slowing. And so you have two things working against you, at least during the global financial crisis and the tech bubble and pretty much every bear market up until Volcker's or, you know, Volcker's being the big exception, you could argue um, in that he really pushed hard when growth was slowing. Most of the other times the Fed is trying to help you out as soon as they see growth slow down, 
they start cutting rates or going into QE, which is relatively new, obviously, that happened since the global financial crisis. Mm -hmm. This is the first time really since Volcker that the Fed is working against you as the economy is slowing. So you have two reasons not to be thinking that this is the bottom, not just one, which is the fundamentals are getting worse. Right. So, so when you look at the set of big tech numbers that we saw last week, conveniently they were all within three days of each other, um, <laughs> or inconveniently in my case. But, but so you had this whole package of the five, uh, five largest, or really six largest, if you want to include throw Intel into the mix, um, uh, six of the most important tech companies. Um, and it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I, I'm, I'm curious about your thinking on who surprised you, um, what you found, uh, whether there were positive, some positive notes in, the, in what you saw from, the, from those companies. And, you know, we can walk, walk through each of them uh, briefly. I know, you know, you mentioned Amazon. Amazon had the biggest, certainly the biggest reaction in terms of the stock behavior um, post earnings. And it, I think it felt like, uh, the expectations, uh, investor expectations headed into the quarter was that it was going to be a disaster. You had just had, as you mentioned, Shopify's numbers, Walmart was uh, lowered numbers. People thought e-commerce was going to be terrible. And it wasn't great, but I guess overall the numbers were a little better than expected. Let, let's start with Amazon. How, you, how do you feel? Sure. Like sure. Well, I'm going to hijack this for a second. Let's start with the most important earnings release of last year, uh, last week. That was the Federal Reserve's earnings release. <laughs> yes, okay, that's fair enough. Okay, so the Federal Reserve had their earnings release on Wednesday. Right. The S&P was up 3% on Wednesday. It was up 5% between Wednesday and Friday. Mm -hmm. The 10-year Treasury yields dropped 16 basis points following the Fed decision. And the market went to believing there were rate cuts next year. Yes, yeah, so it was a 70, about that too. Yeah. Of 75 basis points. So remember between every tech company that reported that you had the Fed driving up the S&P by 5% in three days. And that's driven by this rate expectation. So that was the most important earnings release last week. So now let's get to your question. So if you look at Amazon, we actually put out a tweet two weeks ago or so. And it's, uh, it's written up, I think, um, on our website. So if you go to danniles.com, all of what Eric and I are talking about will be there for the viewers. But, you know, Amazon two weeks ago, if you remember, or several weeks ago, they had their Prime Day. And they give you these numbers. And we wrote this up. And the Prime Day sort of implied that revenue growth was around 18% or so. A year ago on Prime Day, it was up about 8 so we looked at that and we're like, oh, my God, this may actually be better than what people are thinking. So mm -hmm. we at one point were literally it was 15 percent of our portfolio was Amazon. Wow. We, we got rid of it before they reported because the stock obviously had a fantastic run. Mm -hmm. And we we're like, you know what? There's no reason to take you know, a chance that maybe there's a problem with AWS, which is a real high margin business. Right. right. And you, you run into a problem because they're hosting some cloud provider that whose business has really slowed down because don't forget a lot of the big companies like snapchat or netflix etc they're on one of the big three being either amazon web services google cloud or azure right and, um, and, and aws like the other a lot of the cloud players does have a consumption driven business model right so absolutely you, and so we were do more it's not just a flat you know contractual 
uh, kind of arrangement, it's metered, right? It's like absolutely that's all right. Metered. And and to your point, which you know is there's Snowflake, right? And you have ServiceNow, which both saw slowdowns in their consumption-based right. models. And for Amazon, they make no money at all off their retail business. Right. It's right. 150% or something of their profits is from AWS. Yes, so if there was a problem there, we weren't worried about the retail business. We knew that was great. I was worried maybe there's a consumption problem on AWS. And given that's 150% or so of all the profits of the entire company, which offsets the losses in the retail business, I just didn't want to be in front of that in case I was wrong. And yeah. so yeah. that's why we got out of it. Um, but, you know, they had really good numbers. They, for the reasons we thought on the retail business, AWS did slow, but it wasn't any worse than what people were thinking. Um, and so the stock did really well. With Amazon out of the big trillion dollar plus market cap companies, they're the ones I'm most positive on. Because I think, you know, they've been missing revenue expectations for over a year, right. four quarters, up until this one, the fifth, where they actually beat. Right. And the reason why I like Amazon is there's a part of me that goes, are these, are these guys going to benefit from a recession? In the mm -hmm. sense that if you go back and you look at Walmart during 08, 09, the stock did really well because people are like, well, you know, I need to save money. It's a tough economy. They shop at Walmart. Well, Amazon is sort of, to some degree, the new Walmart. Mm -hmm. And I can't even tell you how many times I've gone looking for something at the grocery store or online and couldn't find it, found it on Amazon and just ordered it. And obviously you have supply chain issues affecting the physical uh, retailers, yeah. but there's a good part of me that thinks, well, Amazon might be able to pick up a fair bit of market share during this downturn. And you brought up in your lead into this question, Walmart, right? And Walmart negatively pre-announced in front of Amazon. Right. And Target pre-announced before Walmart did about a month prior. Right. And I would note, by the way, that the day that Walmart made that announcement, Amazon sold off, I don't know, 4%, something like that. Like people interpreted the Walmart news as bad for Amazon initially. Yeah, and I have to admit, I thought because I had sold off my a Amazon the day Snapchat, you can see this on my Twitter feed, the day Snapchat blew up and it was up in the morning, which I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and so I took my profits and went home. Right. And then it finished down that day pretty good. And then obviously off of Walmart, it went down further. I thought about buying it back. But the issue again was, well, Netflix lost subscribers for two quarters in a row. Right. Right. So that's affecting consumption at their web provider. You know, Snapchat was not lost on me. They're also hosted. And so you go, all right, well, one of the three big guys, Amazon Web Services, Azure, or Google Cloud could have an issue because everybody's slowing down, right? It may be better than feared, but at the end of the day, right. everybody's slowing down. And I don't want to get caught in that. And by the way, that's why I'm still, I'm still short Google. We had, had been a 15% short. Off of Snapchat, you know, because we posted on Twitter, we covered a ton of our shorts. We went into the Google print short 2%, not 15. Mm -hmm. And we're still short it because I do look at Azure, uh, Amazon Web Services, and uh, Google Cloud as they're going to have a problem in that this is going to keep slowing in the future. And it's probably going to get a lot worse as you go into next year because... All these companies are going to try to renegotiate their deals 
and what they're paying for consumption, et cetera, right. as their businesses slow because they're trying to survive. I mean, right. these guys are very profitable. A lot of these other companies are not. Right. And that's a big issue. And they've got to figure out how to get through this next real recession that we think we're going to see in 2023. You know, there was a, a hint of this a few months ago uh, when Snowflake last reported earnings. Because uh, if you look back at the last Snowflake earnings, they missed a little bit, uh, but enough to, to uh, uh, make people uh, worried and to knock the stock down. And, and part of the reason they gave was that uh, the growth in, in consumption from a handful of customers, uh, which turned out to be partially crypto related, and I think the, and partially, I think the rest of it was e-commerce or, or e related. Um, and and that's exactly the worry that people have, uh, that you have that you've expressed about this, this potential for slowing consumption, which is, it's not that there's anything necessarily wrong with the businesses, but if you have a consumption model, and people consume less, that would imply a potential revenue problem. But it is interesting that of the three major cloud providers, um, as you as you mentioned, Amazon, uh, Microsoft, and Google, um, they all had good cloud numbers. Azure had really good growth. Google Cloud had pretty good growth as well. They're, they're losing a lot of money. Alphabet's still on Google Cloud. But they all had good growth numbers in the quarter. Yeah, but... The other thing is, and we, we wrote down the exact numbers, but I want to say that the three in total went from like 49% growth to 45, which is still 45% yeah. on, I think it's like $150 billion run rate, roughly. It, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal, but it is slowing. But let me draw an analogy. If you remember earlier this year, PC demand had started to slow. Right. Right. And smartphone demand had started to slow from the pandemic-driven highs that we saw earlier. Mm -hmm. And didn't see really a problem with Intel. Like Intel numbers come down a little bit, but not a lot, right? This quarter, an absolute disaster. Now right. we'll have to see what AMD says tonight. Right. Um, I think their you know PC numbers will come down. I don't think it's going to be like Intel because part of Intel's problems is obviously AMD gaining share. But you saw Qualcomm cut numbers, mm -hmm. right? They didn't cut numbers. I, I don't believe they cut numbers when they reported the March quarter. In fact, I think numbers went up, if I remember correctly. But they cut numbers this quarter. Right. So there's a lag effect that investors don't fully appreciate, which is you're not going to get this immediate slowdown because, you know, I remember one CFO said to me once of a Fortune 500 company, look, Dan, I can make any quarter I want. <laughs> I just can't do it two quarters in a row. Right. Now, and to that effect, let me just bring up something that investors might have missed. Microsoft has over 50 analysts covering it. 93% of them have a buy rating. <laughs> right. Microsoft Ford numbers came down by, I think, about 30 cents for the next quarter. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, for the, uh, for the next fiscal year. Excuse right. me. But one thing that none of those... 50 some odd analysts with the buy really wanted to focus you on was the fact that they increased their depreciation life on their cloud infrastructure from four years to six years. Right. That Which increased, they did, to be fair, they did talk about it on the call. So they did. They did. But my point is this, right? Nobody really wanted to focus on that piece of it, which, by the way, would have cut their numbers by 70 cents, not 30 some odd cents for the next fiscal year. Yeah. So then the stock now trades at a 30 multiple. Right. Now, you and I have been doing this for a while. And typically when you have sort of an accounting change that helps 
numbers not be as bad as expected, that generally for me brings up a red flag as to what things, what really is going on under the covers. Because if you look at the estimates for next year, I think if you know you hadn't had that accounting change and estimates had come down by 70 cents and they hadn't been able to say, you know, we can still maintain double digit revenue growth and EPS right. growth, the stock would have had a very different reaction right. than what it had. And you're you're 100% right. They disclosed it fully on the calls, not like they hit it. You know, it was right there. They gave you the amount. Right. Um, you just had to do a little bit of math with the tax rate and the shares right. outstanding right. to figure out the EPS um, yourself. But, you know, that to me is a big red flag because at the end of the day, I look at that against they're they're in the PC business. They've got a consumption model on the cloud and it's at a 30 PE with the S&P sitting at about 18 yeah. off of calendar 23. I want no part of Microsoft right now. Yeah, that's I'm, interesting. I'm that's interesting you say that. I, I will note one thing that was interesting to me about that Microsoft call was um, you could watch when they first announced the numbers, the stock was kind of fluttering. It was up a little, down a little, kind of trading around where it, the flat line of where it had closed in the regular session. And then um, Amy uh, Hood says, we're going to do double digit growth in fiscal 23 or uh, June, uh, June fiscal quarter. And the stock spiked. And that actually kind of set the tone for the market the next day where the market had a big run the next day. And it's it's like one of those kind of moments where you can kind of pinpoint like there was some giant sigh of relief. And and I think that it had less to do with it wasn't so much. I mean, often it's about, you know, what were the relative what were the expectations on the street? But I think this is really about what the this was the, the people keep using the phrase like a better than feared. And that was the total better than feared moment. That was that was not like their numbers are great. That was like the numbers were not as bad as we worried they might be. And it felt like a relief. No, and absolutely. But here's the question you need to ask yourself. What is an export? Because this is the part that should concern people. If you think about what was going on with the pandemic and then now on the other side of the pandemic, Right. Before the pandemic, you had PC demand down five out of seven years. Right. And then if you kind of look at what demand ran, you had 10 percent growth for the last couple of uh, of years. And then in Q1, it went to minus five. Right. So you go, OK, well, so I had flat to down PC units for five out of seven years prior to the pandemic. It accelerates to up 10 for two years. Now it's down five, like where's the bottom? Well, Intel gave you an idea of maybe where the bottom is. Because I guarantee you all that miss is not AMD share gains. Right. <laughs> right. AMD's, unless AMD's gonna absolutely yeah, blow yeah. out the number. And by the way, they're not the first, you know, like Micron, uh, what, what a few weeks ago um, provided like, guidance that basically said, we see 10%, uh, down 10% year in PC uh, unit volume and a, I think they said high single digit decline in smartphones. I don't remember yep. exactly what they said. Something along those lines. And that's consistent, by the way, with like what IDC is saying, what Gardner is saying. So like declining PC sales, uh, that should not have surprised anybody. I think Well, yeah, but the, my, my question here is the magnitude, right? right? Because if you think about it, Amazon's missed for four quarters in a row. And every single one of those times, I mean, if you think of last year, right? Amazon started missing last year. Right. Stock was up. 
Netflix missed last year. Stock was up. Right. This year, they both missed. The stocks aren't up. <laughs> right. So, and, and my point is that it's a different it's a different environment when the Fed's not there just pumping money into the economy. And by right. the way, let, let's move you know, beyond just this. Right. Look at chartered. Right. First negative uh, subscriber additions year over year, I think, in their history. Right. Because you had a surge in broadband usage. Right. Right. The, the subscription for phones, AT&T, Verizon, you know, T-Mobile, you add them all together. They accelerated massively during the pandemic because we're all at home using our phones to, you know, do business. And in some cases, people bought second phones, right? One for work, one for home. Mm-hmm. And now those have slowed down dramatically as well. Verizon had, you know, worse than expected subs by a lot. So right. it's not just Netflix where, you know, you've seen slowdown or Amazon or Shopify. You can even go into things like cell phone service, broadband service. So, right. but all of these things are kind of occurring at different paces, but don't think just because you've had one quarter, it's over. Right. And I guess that's what I'm saying on PCs because what's the most important quarter for PCs and smartphones? Yeah, it's yeah. December quarter. December quarter. Yeah. Well, there have been a lot of upgrades of smartphones and PCs over the last several years due to the pandemic. I think now we're all looking you know, to go skiing, go on vacation, right. et cetera. I haven't had a vacation since before the pandemic. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to going. Okay, um, so we want to touch. Um, so we're running tight on time. There's three things I want to touch on at least briefly. So we're going to try and do this efficiently. Uh, it won't work, but we'll try it anyway. So okay, one, I won't be. I'll try not to be long-winded. How's okay. that? <laughs> um, so, 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 in no particular order, um, uh, I want to touch on Apple, um, which you know I kind of wrote about this this weekend. That it feels like of the large cap names, it's kind of the hardest one to figure out in some ways because you know smartphone sales, like they had, they managed to have an okay quarter in iPhone. I think part of it was because they had strong demand in China and because the supply chain got looser. Uh, and they did say, I think, on the call that their supply chain hit was less than expected. So they did. So they ended up having like they ended up beating a little bit on the top and the bottom. Um, their comments on the quarter for September were more were kind of muted. They said that uh, uh, they were going to I think they said they, they were going to accelerate the top line, accelerate top line growth. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but they also said uh, they, but, but some of the other commentary was more cautious, like on services growth, and I, I'm, I'm, I struggle with Apple trying to figure out the catalyst uh, for, for, for the next up move. And I'm curious how you think about Apple. You've gone back and forth over Apple on Apple a lot over time, where you've been uh, mm-hmm. either bearish or or, or um, bullish. Yeah. How are you feeling about it now? I'm very bearish because we just talked about it a second ago, which is PC. the most important quarter is Christmas quarter. So right. if you think of Apple from a big picture basis, here's the easy thing. 2015 to 20, uh, 2019, Apple revenues and smartphones declined over that four-year period. Mm-hmm. You want to look at 2019 in total, before the pandemic, Apple revenues were up 2%, 2 yeah. for, calendar ni- for calendar 19. They were up... Uh, 29%, I believe, in calendar 2021. Right. They accelerated to up 54% year over year in March of 21, from plus 2% in calendar 19. The June quarter they just reported was up two. 
I think it'll be negative by the December quarter because I think we're going to be spending our money on vacations and not iPhones. Right. And there's a difference right now between the low end of the market, the Walmarts and the Qualcomms, which serve more of the Android market, which is a low end cell phone and the mm -hmm. high end of the market. Mercedes beat and raised, right? right? The iPhone is the Mercedes of the smartphone. Market. <laughs> right. But I think if the stock market does what I think it does and people realize the Fed's not going to be cutting early next year and inflation comes down from 9% to 7 or whatever, but it's still well above the 2 to 3, I think the high-end consumer is going to be also affected, which is where Apple plays. And I think you're going to see, just like you saw in 2019, this is a not, you know, it's we talked about the consumption model. Mm -hmm. To some degree, Apple was a consumption model, right, where we needed an iPhone, we needed a Mac. My kids were at home, you know, from school. I had to get them online. We bought a Mac, bought an iPad. Uh, I think we bought an iPhone as well, et cetera. You know, everybody's back in person. And I think Christmas, and I'm kind of curious to see how honestly back to school goes. It's not as important, but you know, we'll see. We'll because see. We'll see. it's happening now, right? Absolutely. So, but Christmas is more where I think the problems are really gonna step in because again, Apple's at the high end not the low to mid range, like with Android. Okay, so uh, you've, you've alluded a couple of times to this sort of notion of um, consumers shifting some of their spend from goods to experiences, right, to, to travel. And I know when we've talked uh, some earlier in the year, you were kind of bullish about some of the travel, online travel plays. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering how you're currently feeling about the travel space. We, uh, uh, you know, we got a little hint from Uber today with good numbers from Uber, but we're going to get Expedia this week and Booking is reporting this week. I think Airbnb is after the close today. Like we're going to get a whole bunch of um, data points on travel. How are you feeling about that space? You know, travel has been one of my horrific picks this year because <laughs> All right. we, 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 we matched up the pandemic beneficiaries that we were short. Yeah. And we thought, you know, travel is going to surge and that's going to really help. So we own cruise lines, hotels, airlines, the ride sharing companies, et cetera. And, and we've written this up on DanNiles.com. But like we violated some things that had concerned us on names that we were short in that a lot of the travel companies like Uber or Lyft, they're not really profitable yet or right. they're marginally profitable. Right. Um, a lot of them have high debt levels. So the cruise lines, for example, have high debt loads um, or you've got issues where they you've got some exposure to China and China sort of locking down, unlocking, locking down, unlocking. Right. And, you know, they've got problems now with their property market. And we've talked about this as well. Yeah. And so those stories kind of aren't clean where they, you know, or with the airlines, for example. Right. Demand is strong. The problem is they don't have pilots. Right. So they're cutting back some of their flights. So you can't satisfy the demand. So we actually don't have any exposure to any of those spaces right now for mm -hmm. that reason, because, you know, either they're not profitable, they have too much debt, they don't have enough capacity like with the airlines. And so it's a really mixed bag. And the, the issue is if you're not profitable or you have a high debt level and you miss, your stock gets absolutely destroyed. Right. And think Roku or Teladoc as an example. Of that, oh, God. Yeah. Right. Where they didn't react like Amazon did or Apple or Google or Microsoft or whatever off of lowered numbers because those guys, you know, aren't profitable or they where their stocks are just getting murdered off their prints. And so that's why for us, 
you know, I, I really thought about being long Uber into the print. I'm like, you know what, if there's an issue for some reason, they're not profitable enough where it won't get killed. If you remember in the, the prior quarter, the March quarter, both Uber and Lyft got destroyed right. off of their prints then. And they did talk about demand recovering, et cetera, but there were issues with driver capacity. They didn't have right. drivers. And so they had to incentivize more, et cetera. And, you know, the stocks were just horrible. And so for us, you know, one thing you haven't brought up is our investment styles is, is, is different than some others where our goal is to make money regardless of the environment. So right. S&P is down in June. We made money. S&P's up in July, we made money. We're up for the year. Right. And so our goal is to not get caught in the destruction that you go through from time to time in the market, but to try to consistently generate. And so for us, that means, you know, fine, I'll, I will pass on an Uber being up as much as it is today because I don't want to have made the mistake and also have been in a Roku or a Teladoc, <laughs> which weren't as lucky. Yeah. Right. And there was a difference between Snapchat and Google's results. Right. There's a difference right. between Walmart and Amazon's results. And some of quite right. honestly, why some of these names perform better is because Walmart was before Amazon. Right. Qualcomm reported and cut and went down before Apple did. Mm -hmm. And Microsoft had already pre-announced negatively earlier in the quarter. Right. So some of this is timing. And then the most important earnings release, which was the Federal Reserve on Wednesday. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do one, one last one, which I, I feel like we have to talk about. Uh, aside from Uber, uh, the other news this, this morning, uh, one of the other pieces of news this morning is that apparently Nancy Pelosi has landed in Taipei um, <laughs> and is, is going ahead with this uh, very controversial visit to Taiwan. And that yeah. raises, you know, all of these anxieties about, uh, you know, what China might do to Taipei. Um, and it, 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 it raises some obvious questions about what it might mean for the, you know, what it would mean for the technology sector if China even, you know, I mean, the, the extreme uh, version would be invades Taiwan. But like if, if they blockade it or if they in any way hamper the ability of the Taiwanese chip makers, um, particularly TSMC, to make parts, because that would slow the ability of everyone to make everything. Right. So I, I'm curious how you feel about that. And and then sort of the related question is, is what that means for Intel, um, which is trying. They're a little it's a long haul, but they're try, trying to become a legitimate um, alternative to TSMC. Yeah. So uh, let me go through that in order. So I think the risk of China doing something is a lot higher than people think. Mm -hmm. um, if you go back to our preview for this year, one of the risks we laid out was Russia invading the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. which obviously happened. And the other, another risk was China trying to reunify Taiwan. Right. The good news is Russia's invasion of Ukraine has gone poorly enough where I think it has stopped the Chinese. The bad news is Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan, you know, the Chinese have said, don't do it. We went ahead and did it. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think Western people underestimate the importance for Asians to save face. And I think there's going to be repercussions. I don't know what they're going to be. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's not horrific, but there will be repercussions from this. Um, so that goes to your question on Intel. We actually bought some Intel after they blew up specifically for this reason, mm -hmm. because here's the interesting thing. MediaTek picked Intel as a foundry partner during the quarter. Their foundry partner is Taiwan Semiconductor, but they wanted to have a U.S. source of supply. 
I think there's a better than 50-50 shot that sometime in the next two, three years or sooner, let's say one to three years, Apple may decide, hey, you know what? Let's hedge our risk from using TSMC right. and use Intel. You know, so I, I that think would, that would certainly be a, uh, a headline win for Intel. Um, well, I'm shocked it. that they got MediaTek. I mean, MediaTek's kind of the Qualcomm of Asia, mm -hmm. right? For your viewers who aren't familiar with them. So it's a marquee win. It's just most people in the U.S. don't know who MediaTek is. Right. But, you know, that shocked me because I'm like, wow, a Taiwanese company wants a U. So if a Taiwanese company wants a U.S. foundry, how much more important is it for the most valuable company in the world, which is an American company, to have a U.S. foundry? Now, we own global foundries also, by the way. Right. For the same reason i mean it's got a huge valuation but you know we think business is good but some of these are hedges against china doing something that we really don't like and this escalating in taiwan right now global founders of course is uh they're kind of in a different space like they're they're yeah. doing lagging edge chips kind of com yep. uh, commodity chips but they are one of the few pure play ways you can bet on yeah now on. now to be clear to your viewers we probably won't own it the day they report again we have a risk management style you can read about it on tannells.com it's had a massive run obviously off yeah. the chips act probably some people bought it for the taiwan situation like i did um and you know their demand sounds great i think it'll be a beat and raise quarter but you know it's had a huge move but yeah, I, I do think in your portfolio for us, we swapped some global foundries for Intel because Intel obviously got absolutely destroyed because I go, that is the premier U.S. semiconductor company from decades ago um, that existed that's trying to get into the foundry business. And if a Taiwanese company will use them, then, you know, why not some more American companies right. as well? OK, we were like way over time. Um, we're going to. Thank you. I, I, but and and the, the the sad truth is we can keep going for uh, uh, for quite a long time. Yeah, uh, we can't do this all day. Um, uh, but we'll be done. We'll be all alone if we just uh, keep going. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's all the time we have. Dan, thanks so much again for joining us. Uh, it's always um, super fun and, and so informative to talk to you. Um, very much appreciated. Um, thank you all for joining us. Please uh, uh, join Barron's Live again tomorrow. We'll have. Uh, Market Watch uh, Deputy Personal Finance Editor Leslie Albrecht will be talking to uh, the Market Watch housing reporter um, RT uh, Swaman Nathan about the state of the housing market. Again, thanks for being with us. Stay safe and be well, and uh, see you next time. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.